Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Sherry is presented by the writers and illustrators of the future. They have been providing a means for new and budding writers to have a chance for their creative efforts to be seen and acknowledged. Welcome to Chatting with Sherry. Today we're welcoming back award-winning composer David Raikin. I hope you, I said your name right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Raiklin, and you did say it right, and thank you. I am so glad to be back. I love your stuff. I do. I think your 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 work is crazily, marvelously wonderful. How about that for a description? <laughs> I love it. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good um, with words. I love that. I love helping and building and all that. I mean, not like you need my help, but um <laughs> <laughs> Well, everyone helps. But um but I love your work, I do. And last time we had such a fun chat. Um do, do you have um you an opinion on the music that was nominated for the Oscars this year? I not only have an opinion on it, but uh, I actually did a uh, whole uh, podcast on the uh, best soundtracks of uh, 2019 with uh, my friends um, Oren and Darcy on a show called Omega Beam. And uh, huh? I'll give you the uh, uh, the highlights of that show. Uh, basically, we kind of all agreed that 2019 was an exceptionally good year for soundtracks. In other words, uh, all the nominees were about equally good in ways that were different than each other. So it was really hard to pick just one that was the best. I mean, uh, Hilda won for Joker, and she definitely deserved to to win. Uh, The the score was a really important part of that movie, and uh, you know her background in uh, combining um, acoustic music with industrial music really was a perfect fit for that. um, You know the Joaquin Phoenix character, and Mm -hmm. and she's just a really good composer anyway. But John Williams also deserved to win for. The Last Jedi and and for uh, The Rise of Skywalker and you know just about every one of those Star Wars scores are amazing and it's in a class by itself because while there have been lots of movies that have had sequels they've never taken elements of the music from multiple different episodes and combined them all together into one giant cinematic symphony. And that's what Williams did. And that deserved recognition just for being a, uh, a one of a kind lifetime project of, you know, working on uh, this vast universe of characters and themes and combining them all together for 43 years. And then there's, you know, the uh, the 1917 soundtrack uh, with uh, what in some ways is uh, Thomas Newman's greatest score. If, if you've uh, seen that movie, you know that it's very realistic, very immersive, 
war movie that's designed so it looks like it was shot in one continuous shot. The camera it looks like it never has any cuts or edits that you're just, you know, following a steady cam through all of these incredible adventures. And to make that work, you need to have a score that keeps everything flowing nonstop. There's, uh, there's, there's no time to, um, change locations or or change points of view really it's all got to be done continuously so his score does an amazing job of just keeping the momentum going and uh that sense that it's all happening in real time right there in the theater and then you know uh in a completely different direction alexandre Splotz work for uh, Little Women, which I loved. I don't know if you saw this uh, year's, uh, I mean, last year's version of Little Women. I haven't seen anything. I'm a really bad person. (laughs) Oh, you're a really wonderful person. No, I mean, Little Women has been done so many times, but this one was a really unique version of it. Um, uh, Saoirse Ronan uh, did a wonderful job of making you see that uh, the character she was playing was both the character in the book, but also Louisa May Alcott herself, that she was writing about herself, as well as the character in the book. And the music just did a wonderful job. That's one of my favorite novels. I've seen most of the versions of it. I haven't, to be honest, I just couldn't afford movies this year, so the only movie I I saw was the only one I saw is Harriet because she's been a, a, a idol of mine since I was like eight years old. So mm-hmm. um, that's yes. Awesome. <laughs> well, it's cool to see movies in the theater, but they also work at home. Um, it's one of those things where uh, I'll always enjoy watching TV, and I'll always enjoy watching movies in the theater. And whatever new art forms, you know, immersive things, I'll also be uh, down to check out whatever the latest technology is. Um, like this uh, immersive experience I'm creating for Area 15 in, uh, in Las Vegas. We're creating a art complex that is part of this giant entertainment hotel complex called Area 15. And in order to get into where the the rest of the shops and the hotel and all that are, you walk through this giant outdoor art gallery and we have this immersive art uh, augmented reality experience where you walk into it and you, the person who's walking through and whoever you're with, get picked up by the sensors and you become part of the artwork so there's all these beautiful lights and shapes that are happening and you are in it <laughs> I love that that's cool yes it is I cool. love art uh, anyway so combination of art and music is just spectacular Yes, yes, and you know the music also kind of changes with the the images, so it's a little bit cinematic, um, you know, pictures and music and interacting that way, but it's also very um, 
cutting-edge immersive because it's interactive with whoever's uh, experiencing it. So, yeah, um, I love that, and I'm hoping to do more projects like that with my friend Matt Elson. Uh, it's called uh, Infinity Ship 1, and we're hoping we'll have Infinity Ship 2, 3, and so on. I uh, like. I'd like to see that. It sounds like it's a really cool idea. It is a really cool idea, and it was great fun watching it uh, form. You know, being built from scratch uh, to the amazing experience that it is today, where it's uh, going to be delivered in the, in the next week or so, and it will uh, be part of the opening ceremony for the Area 15. Uh, so that, that again, that's uh, I, I'm not sure on the exact date. That keeps kind of uh, being a little bit um, varying uh, because the thing is so big that they've decided that they're going to open sections of it. So the first section of it is going to be opened uh, sometime at the end of this month, and it, I'll I'll try and let people know exactly when that is. But then, you know, they're going to open other sections of it as, as they complete it. So I'm feeling uh, very good that we're one of the first parts that open to the public. So when people go to the uh, Area 15, they'll kind of have to look at our thing because we'll be what's open. <laughs> <laughs> You're pushed. Yeah, well, in six months when the whole thing is open, then there'll be a lot more distractions. There'll be lots of other things for people to do there besides our art stuff. But we'll still be at the beginning of it. So when you walk in from the parking lot, you'll at least go through the area where the interactive experiences are. Well, that sounds yeah. really cool. I love art. I I mean, I'm a huge fan. So uh, that's like I, I it, when you go to an art museum, it's so quiet. And it's like, it would be a cool idea if they had, like, music with the art in the museum. That's that's a really interesting idea. Yes, it's uh, custom-designed music that's um, on a, a computer playlist that interacts with the lights and visual effects that are constantly changing and that was really quite amazing to see them build all of that because it's uh, kind of like real-time visual effects. So it's a, a kind of a, a crossover between, well, it's augmented reality, you know, things that are computer-generated and um, virtual with real things that you can touch. That's really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, and you can see a little bit of it in the, the one of the photos that uh, – You've been so wonderful to share the the one that has me, uh, you know, spread out in a rainbow of colors and shapes. That's from one of the Infinity projects. Oh, is that one of the installations? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, in other words, that could be you in those pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see a hundred me. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you can look at all the uh, colorful shapes and lights that are going on around you. That's okay. Okay. All right. I can go for that. Um, your, I have some of your music. I wanted to play one of them. Is that all right? Oh, oh that'd be awesome. Thank you. Okay. Here you go. 
uh, Kathy herself played the auctioneer, and uh, a guy named uh, Jim Metropole, who worked a lot with uh, Rod Sterling, uh, played the janitor, and um, the famous violinist Sid Page, who's played on literally thousands of Hollywood soundtracks, the biggest movies that you've ever heard of, he played on them, but he's always in the studio. And in this case, we got him in front of the camera. And it turns out he's a, a tall, handsome man. So he looked good on camera. <laughs> so that worked out good. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I mean, he had had some acting experience before he'd worked with Billy Crystal uh, on uh some of his projects uh, on camera. But uh, that was also an interesting thing about the the project is that we were taking someone who worked behind the scenes and put them in front of the camera, and it worked out well. That's cool. I love that. I actually really like that a lot, when uh, somebody comes from behind the scenes and they're in the movie or TV show. That is always cool. (laughs) Yes, so this project was cool on on several levels. But, you know... uh, that's the way good projects are. That uh, working on them can be satisfying and cool in more than one way. That is, that's true. That's true. And I think that helps to the various uh, types of uh, uh, inspiration for the different sides of the project um, builds the creativity. Don't you think? Yes, it does. Uh, when the people who are working are having fun and being creative, then that just gets beamed to the audience. Somehow that gets uh, captured by all the technology. And even if you're not seeing that the set decorator was really enjoying and uh, feeling very creative, somehow you can sense that in the way the set is decorated, and, and, you know, so for everyone else. Uh, Oh, an interesting example, I don't know if... Go ahead. ahead. (laughs) No, I was just going to ask a a question that popped into my head. No, go on with your thoughts. Well, well, don't forget your question, though. Um, I was going to mention that... um, when uh, we were shooting uh, Space Command, one of the science fiction shows that I like to work on, uh, one of the actors was Doug Jones. And you might know him for being in uh, The Shape of Water that won the Oscar for the Best Picture a couple of years ago, or in uh, Star Trek Discovery. He's you know, a wonderful actor. And uh, he plays an android who develops a religious consciousness. And... Uh-huh. He'd always wanted to play an android before. He had, you know, a long career playing all different kinds of characters, but he'd never played an android. And because this was something that he'd always wanted to do, he always does a professional job, no matter what character he's playing, and, you know, enjoys it. But there was all kinds of additional creativity in it that was happening because he was so excited about playing this character. I love that. Oh, that's cool. That really is. Um, and you could see that. And the funny, the, the funny part of that is that uh, one of the people who he's acting with, and this is an actor named Robert Picardo. And uh, oh yeah, 
Star Trek. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, you might know him from from Star Trek, although he's also in the Orville and, uh, Orville, and uh, yeah. Total, uh, Total Recall and you know a lot of other shows. But uh, to uh, just get to this uh, specific coincidence here, it turns out that uh, in this show he uh, plays a very religious man who's you know uh, in a not very spiritual job, but. Uh, on one of his previous shows, Bob played an android. And the two of them were kind of, in, you know, doing a little bit of exchanging notes about what it was like to play an android. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a delightful thing that, you know, was happening behind the scenes that, you know, obviously has nothing to do with the, the movie per se, but it was really fun to see these two actors who, you know, on different films had played characters that uh, were like um, part human and, and part um, machine or, you know, however you want to describe being an android. And, uh, it was it was fun and fascinating to, to get that glimpse into how the craft of acting worked. And, you know, Bob was saying that was really clever what you did there. If I I, I would have done that in my show if I had known about it. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think that's great. I mean, that's part of being creative too. So that's that's really cool. <laughs> yes. Yes. And. Uh, Space Command is going to be uh, releasing another episode very soon. Uh, our uh, web series is uh, actually going to uh, be coming out this week, I think, is when we're going to do the release. I'm uh, kind of timing when we're going to start our ad campaign. <laughs> cool. Good. I look forward to it. Um, do you want to hear another one of your lovely musical segments? Uh, yeah, I think that uh, uh, this might be a good time to play a little music from uh, Space Command. And I think this is uh, going to be uh, just to uh, kind of uh, front announce a little bit. Music from the Ima Mirage. The Ima are an ancient super civilization that has a collective mind that can communicate across light years and thousands of years of time. And they are um, portrayed in music. So this is what we're going to hear. It's the, the music, the, the spirit of the Ima civilization.
is that like the the mind links or something? Is that the? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. Was that like mind links or something that we were hearing, or uh, they, uh, part of yes, the communication? Yes. That was interesting. Uh, yes, we're hearing the the thoughts and voices of the ancient Ima civilization, and uh, the uh, there's a cleaner mix on my SoundCloud page. If you go to Cinematic Music One. Cinematic Music, the numeral one, on SoundCloud, you can uh, get that track and uh, the uh, track from Worth and other music, and you can uh, listen to for free. But um, as far as the uh, behind the scenes, the way we did that was to invent a language. It's called a conlang, uh, or constructed language. And conlangs are like a real language that people would speak. And it has, you know, uh, verbs and nouns and, you know, the the structure of a a real language and proper pronunciation, but it's all made up. Because it was really important that this sounded like a real language, people saying things that meant something, but it had to sound like it was alien to people all over the world because, you know, this is uh, the age of streaming and people all over the world to listen to it. So we can't put it into any human language because if we spoke that language, then it would sound like it made sense and it would spoil the illusion that hmm, this is mysterious voices from an alien civilization. So the actors were wonderful in learning how to speak in this alien language. And uh, when we got several of them to all speak uh, things that, you know, were written in English and then translated into our conlang ima, then it sounds like what you just heard. (laughs) And and like I said, you can hear it better if you go on to the – um, SoundCloud, and I'm also going to release a soundtrack album if uh, if people want to get even more music from Space Command. Cool. Yeah, I mean, um, at the end of the show, we'll get your website and all your social media so people can get in contact with you, okay? Sounds good. Um, I wanted to ask where you get um, when you're I, everybody's different when they're creating. Where do you get your um, your ideas of where the different types of instruments and everything comes in? Is it when you're orchestrating? It it, it just question. amazes me how that works, and I'm just curious if people have different kind of inspiration for that. Uh, yes, they do. Uh, I'm gonna say. The short answer is it depends. It depends on what kind of project I'm working on. If I'm working in a visual medium like film, TV, video games, then the orchestration is partly determined by what's happening on the screen. What's happening will uh, be reflected to some extent in the music. And if it's you know, an animated cartoon, then the music does what we call Mickey Mousing, where it's, you know, exactly 
copies what's happening on the screen. So if you know people are running, you get the clacking of their their shoes on the on the ground, or you know, if somebody's breathing hard, you get you know fast breathing sounds happening in the music. Uh, but it can be more subtle than that. So when Luke Skywalker first appears on the screen, we hear a solo French horn to give us the sense that this is someone who has noble and heroic impulses. Or when uh, we introduce the ballerina in a, a wonderful film I did called Mia, A Dancer's Journey, we introduce it with a light dancing flute line to sort of imply that even though she's not dancing when we first see her, that she has that gift. She has that potential that is being communicated in the music. So in that sense, the orchestration is pretty much uh, inspired by exactly what's happening on the screen. Now, if it's just listening music, concert music, then it's more about what is the music trying to say and what parts of what uh, facets of the instruments do we want to show off because musical instruments can do many, many different things. And that's kind of part of the composer's job is to sort of find the best of the traditional things that an instrument can do and maybe dream up a new thing that the person, the instrumentalist can play. So it becomes about the instrument and about the performer and what they can do because, you know, it's, it's live music. They're putting on a show and you want to give them something interesting to do. Uh, and that's one of the things that I like most about orchestral music is that the orchestra is constantly growing, you know, uh, there's new instruments being added all the time, uh, instruments from other cultures or electronic instruments. So there's always new sounds and new combinations of sounds possible. And this is, uh, often what inspires me. Um, Oh, let's see, what's a good example? Uh, well, an obvious example would be if I'm being commissioned to write concerto, then we're going to show off whatever that instrument is. Let's say, you know, it's a trumpet concerto, then we're going to have the, the trumpet doing fun, interesting things that trumpets can do. And maybe come up with a new thing or something that you haven't heard a trumpet do before. So, it, uh, so that determines the instrumentation and how it's playing. And then you want things that blend well with trumpets. So you want to have other brass instruments because they blend well with the trumpets. But you also want things to contrast with it so it doesn't get too uh, similar or boring. So we'd add uh, percussion, which don't really sound anything like trumpets, but they make a really good contrast with it. So maybe that's part of an answer. <laughs> Oh, that's good. I actually, it made me think of something. You're going to think this is whack out, but there was this old Danny Kaye movie called The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Where oh, yeah, basically, great movie. It is a great movie. I love it. But remember the part where he does the um, all the different characters as instruments? Yes. And yes. Uh, the French horn is fighting with the, I 
oboe and the little doggy is a violin and <laughs> I I don't know why that came into my head but I mean it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Now, you're talking about the original uh, Danny Kane version, not the, uh, not the uh, what's his name, um, Ben no, Stiller I'm version. About the, yeah, Danny Kay. The, who? I, I'm sorry, Danny Kay's the only version for me. Sorry, anybody's a fan of the other one. <laughs> well, Danny Kay yeah. is a, a wonderful comedian who can, you know, sing and dance and do all of these. Things that a great comedian can do. He's a very uh, wonderful guy, and uh, yes, that, that's um, that idea of the, the instruments being like people or characters that you can interact with. And you know, uh, the Walt Disney Silly Symphonies did that in animation, going back you know mm-hmm. the 1930s. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a wonderful that he, way to tell a story. With the voice and with the instrument, it was it was a combination of his voice and the instrument and his face, that rubbery face. It was just brilliant. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think that you can find that on YouTube. You know the the, the sequence we're, that we're talking about. I think you can find that on YouTube. Mhm. I think so. I don't. Yeah, they have some of the scenes from it. It's one of my, I just love that. My, see, the thing is, my dad met Danny Kaye when he was like 16 working at the Paramount Theater and became obsessed with his movies. He could do all of the Danny Kaye pattern wow. songs from that movie, that particular That's movie. hard. So from the time I was a little girl, my father and Danny Kay would be doing a duet, even though Dad was sitting in the living room. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, it's so a wonderful movie, you know, where he gets there. to imagine, the character imagines that he's doing all kinds of uh, amazing and adventurous heroic. things. He's very heroic in it, yes. Um, but he's actually a milk. They would. Um, he was described by Thurber in the original story as the milk toast. I actually, I actually prefer him in the movie to the book, and I, I mean the story. And I know that's terrible because Thurber was a genius. But I, I love the character in the movie. <laughs> well, you know that's sort of the uh, the best part of an adaptation is when. The actors and the set designers and the visual effects people all come up with ideas that are inspired by the story. So it has the original story plus all of these other good things that elevate it. And I I think that uh, that doesn't happen every time because that's really difficult to do. But um, Secret Life of Walter Mitty does that, and uh, I think so do the Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and John Williams. Is and, it John Williams? Is Harry Potter? I think it was John Williams, wasn't yep. it? Yep. Yes, John Williams did uh, the first three Harry Potter movies, and they used his themes in the, in the rest of them. Yeah, because it was brilliant. Yes, well, you know, uh, 
I went to a, a wonderful anniversary event at uh, for uh, the Harry Potter films with uh, Chris Columbus, you know, the director. Oh, wow. And uh, there were uh, people in the audience of uh, all ages because you know the, the stories, the books, and the and the movies attracted audiences of all ages, and that was you know was something that, that Joe Rowling still uh, talks about to, to this day is how amazed she was that uh, a book she thought she was writing for kids turned out to have a, an audience of all ages and uh, there were were kids there that you know were grown up I mean there were teenagers now but you know when the movie came out this is like you know this is in what like 2010 or 12 or something like that you know so the movies uh, had already come out and, and kids were saying that they adored the soundtrack and that it was their favorite thing to listen to when they were growing up and that they were so grateful to John Williams and Chris Columbus for putting that amazing music with the books that they loved. Mm-hmm. There was one sequence that I adored. It's when uh, Harry's really upset and he's sitting outside with Hedwig and Hedwig soars off and beautiful music. It kind of brings you with Harry's feelings. And then it goes into the next uh, season. It's just just stunning. Yes, yes. Well, uh, that sense of flying, of uh, lifting off from the earth into the heavens, has something John Williams does better than just about anybody in history. And so that and his respect for children and their feelings. He really treats kids like they matter. So Harry Potter doesn't get kiddie music. He gets grown-up serious music. Mm -hmm. So when he's having feelings, we take his feelings seriously. Whether he's happy or sad or, you know, uh, being... uh, heroic or depressed, it's being scored like this is a serious drama with a important actor playing the part. And basically nobody else does that. They, they treat kids like they're kids. It but of course brilliant. to a kid, their feelings really matter. And, you know, they're, they're not just a kid. Their emotions and their ideas are just as important as the grown-ups. And I think that's, you know, like a magic thing that John Williams can do is, uh, and of course he does that in Star Wars and even did that in Home Alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the kid was smarter than all the adults. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the the music treated him that way. I mean, it was a comedy, but it was a comedy that that took its subject uh, seriously. So, you know, when he was being threatened by those crooks, the, the music was really scary, threatening music. It wasn't being, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, dumbed down because it was a silly comedy. And 
yes, it is a silly comedy, but it's a little bit like how, you know, when you have a comedy team, there's somebody who makes the jokes and there's somebody who has the, the who does the, the setup for the straight man. And it turns mm-hmm. out that the secret to great team comedy isn't the, the person who's delivering the jokes. It's the setup person. It's the straight man. Yep. Because the jokes sound so much funnier when it's mm-hmm. being set up like it was serious. Yeah, I mean, look at Bud Abbott and Luke Costello. I mean, Bud was a master at that. <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's really true. They knew how to be serious about being funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a serious business. <laughs> I mean, if you ever watch, uh, if you ever go to see a sitcom when you go to L.A. and you watch them talking behind the camera, you never saw such mm-hmm. serious faces. They are as contra- concentrated as if you were going to see a a medical show, and they're they're doing an operation. I mean, that's how concentrated they are on the setup and what's going on and everything. So, yeah, it's taken very seriously. <laughs> right. Now, of course, the audience doesn't see any of that, and we don't want to see that because, you know, we want to think that, oh, mm-hmm. this is just magical and funny, and uh, that's just the way it happens. But, yeah. yeah, behind the scenes, there's actually a lot of preparation and a lot of work to make it seem like it's easy and fun and, uh, oh, this just happened to be funny. <laughs> you know, occasionally, a, a you know, really funny person, a, a great wit, will just come up with a funny line off the top of their head, and that's wonderful. But the thing is, if you need to have it be funny for a half hour or for two hours, then you can't just rely on it being funny off the top of your head. You have to actually plan it all out and make sure that it's actually funny. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that the audience will react the way you want them to. Yes. Uh, I have to say that some of the happiest, most thrilling moments of my life working in film has been when I'm in the audience with a bunch of people who've never seen the show before, and they laugh in all the right places. That is such a thrill, I can't put it into words. It's like, they're laughing, they think it's funny, and uh, they're having a good time. It's, it's just a wonderful, warm, happy, excited feeling that, wow, they they think it's funny. <laughs> that is so cool. That is really beautiful. Um, we're running out of time. Um, we talked oh. about the installation wow. for the um, for the uh, the art installation. We mm-hmm. talked about your um, your show, Space Command. Is there anything else that we missed that you want to let everybody know about? Okay, sure. Um, there's a choral concert coming up. You know, a concert of uh, songs and other uh, vocal music that's happening in West LA. Uh, the end of April, and uh, I'm going to have the information about that soon. Uh, It's also going to include my friends from NACUSA, the National Association of Composers. So uh, a great concert of new music, including music by me, (laughs) that's uh, going to happen in uh, 
April, and I'm going to post more about that on my my Facebook page. So uh, if you want to stay in touch and and find out about that concert, then uh, you go to David Raikland, D-A-V-I-D, R-A-I-K-L-E-N, Facebook, uh, and that way you can find out more about that concert. And then um, there's going to be another uh, film project hopefully coming up soon about the uh, life of an amazing drummer named Chick Webb, who was the first drummer band leader. And he was an amazing person and had an incredible life story, and I'm working on that. So uh, I'm not sure when that's going to be happening, but I'll, uh, I'll let you know soon. Uh, and uh, I mentioned that the you know Space, Command, Space Command soundtrack is going to be uh, coming out soon in March. And again, I'll have a release date on that uh, as soon as I, uh, I know what it is. It's probably going to be in the middle of March. And uh, that's it for now, but there's always something new coming up. So if you were to ask me next week, there would be some new project. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the way it goes. This is a good time for you to give your other information, website, other social media, so people can get in touch with you. Yes, yes, okay. So um, my uh, email, if you want to contact me, is cinematicmusic1 at gmail.com. C-I-N-E-M-A-T-I-C-M-U-S-I-C, the numeral one, at gmail.com. That's my email on Instagram. I'm Raiklin, R-A-I-K-L-E-N, and uh, you can get uh, photos from uh, uh, places I've been and people I've met, and that's that's fun, too. And, of course, friend me on Facebook because uh, I, uh, I love making new friends, and uh, I'll... Uh, welcome you and you can see all the uh, things that have happened and the, even more importantly all the new things that are going to be uh, coming up and then my website is David Rakeland, my name, dot com, and uh, we mentioned my SoundCloud that's Cinematic Music 1 like my email uh, but this time it's on SoundCloud and there's uh, lots of free music that you can listen to there and uh, I'm uh, developing my YouTube channel which is also under my name David Rakeland, on YouTube so hopefully there'll be more episodes up there soon. Cool. Okay. Um, great. Thank you so much for coming out. I know you're busy. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, it's always fun, and uh, we have great conversations. We bring up cool ideas and talk about all kinds of interesting things. So uh, this is one of my favorite shows, and I hope everybody listens to it because you're this good with all of your guests. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You don't know how much, really. Yeah, no, this is really one of the best talk shows. Thank you, David. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Thank you. That's really an honor for you to say that. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, well, you're you're really welcome. I uh, appreciate it, too. Um, Let's see what else is coming up. Oh, and uh, WonderCon is coming up. Uh, if you're going to be in Southern California, uh, well, we're going to have a panel at uh, at WonderCon in Anaheim. So uh, let's see. Let me remember uh, when that's going to be. 
So I don't yeah, know. Uh, WonderCon is going to be April 10th through 12th. So uh, I'll be there in, in Anaheim for, for that wonderful convention. Cool. Um, and um, are, do you have any other personal appearances you want to let people know about? Um. Uh, that's it for now. We're probably going to be at uh, Comic-Con because we've been lucky to have been at, at Comic-Con for like 10 years in a row. So we're probably going to be in uh, this year, and that will, of course, be in July. And uh, for Comic-Con, uh, if you don't have your tickets now, you probably can't get in. But uh, we'll try and have a, at least uh, one event that's happening outside of the convention so you can uh, – uh, meet with the Space Command people. I usually do that. I go to the outside. It's fun. The outside is like a circus. <laughs> yes, it is. It's it's like a circus that takes over a whole city. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's really cool. And downtown's really pretty in San Diego. I live here, so I can tell you that. Um, <laughs> I agree. It really is. It's the prettiest. One of the prettiest downtowns I've ever seen is downtown San Diego. And that's not, yes. and there's not many downtowns you can say that about. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, during Comic Con, though, uh, you probably need to park a, a ways away from from downtown, or get up really early in the morning so you can get you know parking at like you know 8 a.m. <laughs> oh, I take the tram. <laughs> uh, I do too. I, I park uh, like you know in the valley area. Uh, you know, where the shopping mall is, and then I just take the tram in. Yep. Yep. That's much I easier. I, that's what exactly – well, I live here, so I just go to the tri- uh, station and park my car in the little parking thing that's free and take the trolley. <laughs> yes, okay. So uh, this show is so good that you not only get wonderful conversation and you learn about wonderful music, but you also get parking tips. Hey, when you go and talking about Comic Con, it costs a fortune to park. So anything that helps, do it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, always a blast. Thank you, David, and thank you for chatting with Sherry. Uh-huh.